You are listening to Nerd Espresso, the geek-oriented podcast that talks about nerd life, nerdy jobs, and we drink nerdy teas and coffees while we talk about those things. I am so, so, so excited to finally be kicking this off, and our very first guest is one of my dearest, dearest friends in the whole world, Brianna Lamb. Who, um, who goes by the moniker, The Lady Nerd. And we really take a deep dive into her crazy, awesome, super nerdy life and all of the things that she's worked on in the past, all of the things that she's up to now. We dive um, straight down into a lot of the darker sides of trying to pursue the job of your dreams And she is so wonderfully honest and open about a lot of those things. But I will not spoil it for you. So just hang out with us, take a listen, and be sure that you hit subscribe and support us and share share this podcast around. Um, We've got some amazing guests lined up. I am so excited to share all of this with you. And you can support us. Um, wherever you listen to podcasts, either on Spotify or Apple Music, and also on our website, nerdspresso.com, where you can also find a link to our Patreon. This episode is sponsored by Dryad Tea. Dryad Tea was created February 2012 by a tea aficionado who also loves music. The first line of teas were created on Pandora Celtica's music, characters, and world. Since then, They have created amazing tea blends inspired by music, mythology, literature, and general geekery. In 2013, they added Dryad Pottery, and Ruby has been creating amazing works of ceramic art to pair with her amazing blends of Dryad tea. You can join their Tea of the Month Club, get a custom tea blend made, or shop The Goblin Market for tea infusers, enamel pins, and music. Go to dryadtea.com and use code NERDSPRESSO, that's N-E-R-D-S-P-R-E-S-S-O, for 10% off your order today. Alright, so we, I have been so excited to kick this off. Um, you were one of the reasons I kind of wanted to start this podcast and you were one of the, you were always my first choice for my first episode Aww. because you have like your, your fingers and toes dipped in so many things and you are the lady nerd <laughs> That's officially <me. laughs> you, like that is how people know you. So introduce yourself for people who don't know who the lady nerd is. The lady nerd is me. Not that that's helpful. Um, (laughs) For people who can't see you, which is everyone except for me. (laughs) So my name is Brianna Lamb. I am currently a five foot eight short haired redhead. You're only five foot eight? Yep. Five foot eight or nine, depending on who measures me. Why did I think you were taller? Long torso? Probably. Yep. Yep. But, but yeah, I sit down and my torso is yay long. Yes. <laughs> I yes. tower over people sitting down, but not standing <laughs> up. It's a very weird thing. So, but we have been friends for 
a while. Um, like four years now? Four years, something like that. Um, we have run in a lot of the same circles. We have a lot of the same friends. Um, my fiance knows you. Y'all have been friends for forever, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were bound to meet eventually. Eventually, yep. But there, <laughs> there was this, like, I had, whenever I, before I met you, I had always heard about you, especially in, like, the film community around here, and (laughs) there's always been, like, this air of mystery around you, because everyone was all like, oh, have you met the other, at the time I was brunette, but the other brunette stand-in, Brianna, it was, it was like, it was either you or me, like, I was on the shorter side, and you were on the taller side, (laughs) so if it wasn't me, it was you, because you were taller, and so, (laughs) but it took me a while to actually, like, meet you. But as soon as soon as you walked on set that day on MacGyver, I knew who you were. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and I think I introduced myself at the Crafty Cart. Yeah, that um, would that would be very on brand for us to bond over food. Yes, for sure. Um, but then we didn't really ever work together. I think. There was like friending on Facebook and Instagram and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, because we After had that. yeah we had like you said a lot of mutual friends and especially in the cosplay circle, cosplay and film. film. And I know since I had been friends with Dustin for so long, mm-hmm. um, and once you introduced yourself, and I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. Dustin's girlfriend. Okay, I need to check her out. But Is she see, good. I love okay, that, she's good. I love I don't that have to there was. <laughs> I love that there was like this mutual like oh. I'm sizing you who, up. This is who you are? Oh, it's like, now I'm finally meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Are you likable? Okay, good. Do I have to kill you? No. I try to be. Send friend requests on Facebook. I try to be likable and not crazy. <laughs> Hopefully I succeed. <laughs> well, I think your your crazy blends with my crazy, which is why we get along. It's, it's functional crazy. It's yes. not batshit crazy. Mm, agreed. So. Even though you cost like that girl. Yes. Yes, I do. So, um, but yeah, so... Sorry, folks, that was a terrible pun. <laughs> that is... Doctor is <laughs> my height and brunette. Holler at me. I'll be home for three weeks. <laughs> and so... Oh, I remember we bonded over that, too, because I... Oh, yeah! No, I, I was, like, in. live texting you about, like, my wig situation, mm-hmm. and it, there was this whole, like, weird element that I was just... Because I knew that... That was, you, you were very, you wear a lot of wigs and stuff when you have to be different characters. Well, not just that, but it was also that I, it was funny because I stood in for Amy Acker on Oh, MacGyver. yeah, that's right. I completely forgot about that. Oh my gosh. Like I said. Uh, it's, so it's, we it's have both weird, stood in for It's a weird six degrees of separation of Kevin Bacon with you. It's either you or John Strangeway. Yep. Here in Atlanta. Everyone seems to know you. Everyone, like, at some, the trail always leads back to you somehow. It's so funny. It's like, is this what it's like to be popular? Gonna be popular. As I knock over this box. (laughs) Um, Musical theater. (laughs) Um, But no, uh, I completely forgot you stood in for Amy. Um, Which is who I stood in for on The Gifted. Mm -hmm. Um, For an entire season. So I went and did the three weeks in Texas. They, uh, they at the end of the three weeks on the pilot, 
they were trying to figure out where the show was going to go because yeah, the Texas was stay there. The, or no, the Texas Film Commission. Uh-huh. It's not the best, um, and so they were trying to figure it out. And I was all like, "So, what are the chances of it coming to Atlanta?" And they were like, "It's not, probably not." And then I and get then the call. Two months later, it's in Atlanta. They're gearing up for it, and I somehow managed to finagle my way back onto it and worked the entire first season and loved it. And, of course, you got to stand in for the fabulous Emma Dumont. Yes. Who has become such a dear friend of ours. Yes. And we I love her too. dearly. I totally texted her about the whole Kitty Pride thing. And I was Did like, you? look, Emma, I can still be Kitty Pride to your Polaris. Yes. So <laughs> I would love it if she came on the podcast at some point. Our green queen herself. Yes. Our mistress of magnetism. Yes. Polaris. We love her dearly. We do. She is a fabulous, fabulous human. Um, but yeah, that first season, we got into so many shenanigans. We did. We, we got them, we got them to build us a standing cave with lights. That was a gift from the lovely Derek Hoffman. Yes. Who we all were standing in on set and then we come back and suddenly there's this magical string light just all around our little cave right. under the stairs. So, yeah, they had um, they had the set built, and then there was, because it was, like, a double-decker of the Mutant Underground set, they had, like, this big set of stairs, and then under the stairs there was, like, all of these trusses and beams, and it just happened to be this nice, nice little nook that fit all of us stand-ins. Yep. And so... But it was so dark. Not that we complained. We were fine. We it really wasn't that dark, but... They they really loved us and took care of us. Yeah, on no, show. that was the best set. Mm-hmm. I've it was yeah, the gifted and MacGyver were the best sets that I've been on as yeah. a stand in. Um so I missed that show. Um it was it was a wonderful crew, it was a wonderful cast. It really was. That we got really close to. Yeah. Um but, you know, just X Men things. Of course. And I love, love I love things. the fact that Sometimes the executive producers would come over to us because be like, so, did you read the sides today? As oh, we were, and I, out, we were digging out of the sides constantly. Like, like oh, this character showed up. Oh, my like, God. Tra- Losing our little tra- X-Men Industries, minds. Like, the the sisters. Oh, yeah. Cuc- Stepford Cuckoos. I just rewatched Wolverine and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's so good. It's so good. It yeah, was like That's actually probably my favorite. It was like series. Gifted. And Days of Future Past, like, had an animated baby. Yes. It was so good. Um, it is my favorite of all of the X-Men animated series. Uh, X-Men Evolution is That's really my good, second. too. Um, which I, is a very nice segue into our next topic of conversation. Of, so, you just mentioned Kitty Pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been begging you to do the X-Men Evolution <laughs> version of Kitty... In her really cute blue, um, blue suit, um, for a while. Yes. And I texted you the other day, just like, hey, are you still ever going to do this? Because I need it in my life. Like, I will make you a suit. And I was, I, I felt so despondent because I wanted to say, yes, I want to do it. But I'm like, I don't have my long brunette hair that I've had for 30 years. Yeah. Because I, I got it cut for a, a hair model show and it's now short, very, very short and red. Mm-hmm. The thing is, you do for money. Right. Um, 
and I just watched like all my cosplay plans at the time just disappear. And was it's like, hard. It's no. hard to do. Kitty is notorious for her ponytail and the and the, the bangs. The, yeah, the the epic two thousand bangs. Yep. Um, and sometimes it's hard to do a ponytail with a wig. Agreed. And so, I'm very I'm very picky about. You are. You wigs. are insanely picky about. <laughs> Your, that's your probably plays in your looks and your stuff like that. And I don't, and I'll, I'll make the disclaimer, like, I never judge anyone else for it. Yeah. Um, like, if No, there a, are some people that, like, can knock it out of the park. But I am not experienced enough with wigs to make my wig that oh, look yeah, that good if I had to put it in a ponytail. Yeah. I, uh, like, my, my OCD is my own, and I... Yeah. I liked doing screen accurate or making things look like they were out of a movie just for my own personal creative yeah. fulfillment. Right. Um, but because I know there is a lot of problem in the community with people who also like that sort of thing than mm -hmm. judging others for it. And I am not about that life. Um, I will encourage yeah. any cosplayer of any level and love on their wigs no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just picky about what I put on my head. Right. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I didn't have the long hair anymore, and I, I texted you that, and a follower of mine on my Instagram sent me a picture, mm -hmm. and said, "Oh hey, by the way, do you know Kitty Pride now has short hair?" And I was like, "Wait, what?" what? <laughs> uh, and literally sent me a picture that looks like me in comic form, and I was like, "It's it's crazy, like it's uncanny, like." Because we kind of geared, like, steered towards the um, the X-Men blue line because of Polaris. Yep. Um, and because, like, I cosplayed that costume. Um, but also, they, I feel like they really modeled Polaris after Emma. Yeah. Because didn't you let Emma borrow that I at did. Dragon Con? Yes. I did. I let Emma borrow my... She was having a lot of fun with that. My X-Men blue uh, at Dragon Con. And it was a huge hit. Um... And so, uh, we didn't really take a look at the X-Men gold line. I, I will was fully like, admit, it, I didn't even the same know time. about it. Yeah. It was out at the same time, and it was like the sister flip side series mm -hmm. to Blue. And so, um, because most of the characters I like were in Blue, um, I didn't really pay attention to gold. And so, yeah, completely missed the fact that Kitty now has short red hair. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's definitely still in the brown family. Um, but there's definitely certain colors, mm -hmm. uh, color, I can't think of the word, color modes. That's not the word, but my brain is shorting. So it's fine. Words are hard. Colors. Um, that tend to be on the Auburn, but I'm like, you know what? It's fine. I'll take it. It's fine. It's fine. Um, no one's going to be that picky. <laughs> no, and I was I was just flipping out about it and texting you going, Ashley, oh my god! Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, now that needs to happen. Uh, yes. Yes. So, uh, on the subject of Kitty. So, what are we drinking today? We, I'll let you read it. Okay. Because I picked this amazing Dryad tea. Especially for you. Mm -hmm. It is uh, Dryad Tea's Shadow Cat Tea. I imagine it's probably for something that is not X-Men. As it says, Prince of Dreams, Thief of Sorrows, Drum Kitty Supreme of Pandora Celtica. But so it's I, got Kitty in there, so I, I would I'm like, think it's that Shadow Ruby, Cat, though. So. But yeah, so I would think that Ruby put a little bit of that 
in there just for those Kitty Bread fans. Yeah, I'm gonna take that. Um, it is a very lovely black tea with notes of chocolate and raspberry. Um, and it was it's very, so good. Ruby does a wonderful job of blending her teas. I've mm -hmm. been obsessed with dryad tea since my roommate, uh, Catherine Barson of the Gluttonous Geek. Um, she, uh, she bought me this, uh, this one tea that was back when the Pokemon Go craze was yes. happening. And that it was, was a great month in our lives. Oh my God. Remind me to get back to that. So okay. I got stories, <laughs> um, that she had team mystic. Ooh. tea and it's literally the best fruity green tea I've ever tasted oh man and so I've just been getting samples from dryad tea ever mm -hmm. since and Ruby does an amazing job blending everything I've had teas. from her so far has been so good mm -hmm. she's very good at the craft this episode is sponsored by found familiar coffee company Found Familiar is a company that not only brings you amazing coffee, but believes in supporting creators. They team up with different artists and cosplayers from around the world to bring you specialty-grade coffee that celebrates the creativity sparked by Dungeons & Dragons and other tabletop role-playing games. Found Familiar aims to do more than just provide caffeine for your groggy mornings and late-night sessions. They believe in using their platform to recognize the people that share those same passions, people that create stories, characters, and art. They showcase fantasy artwork and photos on their coffee packaging, and that's why you will never see any of those pieces anywhere without credit to the creators. So go over to foundfamiliar.com and use code NERDSPRESSO, N-E-R-D-S, P-R-E-S-S-O for 10% off your coffee order today. This episode is sponsored by Smuggler's Coffee. Smuggler's believes in drinking local. That's why they find barrels from some of the best breweries in their area. Barrel aging adds the flavors that were trapped in the barrel to the beans without any trace of the alcohol. It's a unique bean that makes an amazing cup of coffee in the morning, or that perfect after-dinner dessert coffee. They have fun and crazy artwork gracing their packaging with themes from D&D, Star Wars, music, and more. Whether you like sugar and cream in your coffee, a little Irish in your mug, or you like to drink it as black as your soul, they've got the perfect cup of coffee for you. Head over to store.smugglerscoffee.com to find your perfect brew of coffee today. So, um, so let's get into all of the things that you do because I feel like you, I was thinking about this on my way over. I feel like you have lived so many different lives in the one life that you've had. Well, if I'm, <laughs> if I am as a couple of my, my, my fans pointing out where they're like, are you actually Kitty Pride? Cause I'm like, oh, if I'm Kitty or a cat, do I have nine lives? I feel like it is because you've had, that was a stretch. No, not I really not... because you really have <laughs> had so many different like 
career lives. True. Like. And I'm still so poor. (laughs) (laughs) But you're still just also like barely in your 30s. Yeah. So like you've done so much in a very short amount of time. One of them being the actual Lady Nerd brand. Which is, for those who don't know, it's kind of a fashion, couture, geek 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 fashion. Geek Geek chic fashion. Yeah, it started originally as my cosplay pseudonym. Um, but I, uh, it started with, in 2012, with a specific design that I did, um, where I had friends that wanted me to be a part of their Avengers cocktail dress group, based on a, Ooh, a I drawing. Exactly what dress you're talking about. Uh, the, they were all little short dress mm-hmm. designs, I forget who the artist was, and they wanted me to join in as Loki, and I was like, okay, and me... Putting my design cap on, I was like, Loki wouldn't wear a cocktail dress. No. Loki would no. show up to that cocktail party in a gown. Being fabulous. Being extra as Loki does. So yes. I went ahead and I designed one. And a, my friend, uh, Angelica Rion, made it for me. And thus... And this a gorgeous dress. Thank you. Thus oh. Vogue Loki was born. Yes. Um, because coming from the world of modeling, uh, my little shtick is I love fashion editorials mm-hmm. and so but you're built for that like you're very long I'm a twig and yeah you're Says very long <laughs> you're very <laughs> long and skinny and I've seen a lot of your just like I quote quote weird stuff where you do like almost creature movement type oh, photo shoots I love that stuff and it like you're so good at it Thank because you. you just know how to move and work your body and just creature it up it was one of those things where I whereas I have technically done modeling for over a decade mm-hmm. I never made it into the big leagues um but I still learned and honed the craft and I loved it and so I decided rather than getting depressed and upset about the fact that I was never gonna make it in Paris or Milan or New, New York, York or- you know and be the next Vogue it model I'm like you know what why don't I combine two things that I love? I love modeling. Mm-hmm. I love being able to do, like you were saying, this kind of creature, the haute couture poses and mm-hmm. acting through body movement. Right. Um, as well as creating art in front of the camera, mixed with the fact that I am a nerd. Right. And blending the two. And now that's very popular with Disney bounding and geek chic and all this stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. Um, I was doing it about seven or eight years ago. Right. Before um, it was really a thing. Yeah, before it was really big. I unfortunately had a lot of issues that kept me from pursuing that further to be mm-hmm. a bigger player on the scene. But you know what? I have made my peace with that. It yeah. is my creative outlet. I am, yes. I am no longer trying to make that my business as I was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah. Even though like the lady nerd never really turned into a full like business adventure, you still have... Like, it really en- encompasses a lot of why I started this podcast. Because I have, I know so many people that are so nerdy and love things like games and, like, you know, cosplay and, um, like, Star Wars and Dungeons and & Dragons and stuff like that. And have found a way to actually make a living from it. And yeah. have it as their jobs and their careers. And 
like I said, you have had so many of those, like, lives. You just keep continuing to do, like, nerdy jobs. I can't sit still. Because I'm definitely one of those people that, while my bank account would like me to be a 9-to-5 person, um... Some people are just not meant to be 9-to-5 people. I can't I'm also one of those people. do it. And I, I have definitely had... I've been a legal assistant in a law office. Mm-hmm. I've been a Starbucks barista. I've... I've worked in offices. I've worked in tea shops. You've worked I've worked in. all over the place. I was a tea shop assistant manager. I did love that job, but that's another story. Um, but set is my happy place. Right. And Same. being able to be creative and adventuring. Like mm-hmm. I would rather take the pay cut and be really poor and but do also, what I love. Exactly. Now, would I like to have a little bit more money and absolutely you know, not have to <laughs> worry? But but I I feel like nowadays like that's just something we all want. Yeah, of course. You know, like everyone wishes that. Yeah. So But I have been very lucky mm-hmm. to be able to actually live out my dreams. And mm-hmm. my my dad actually pointed this out to me when I was dealing with some depression last year. Mm-hmm. about careers um mm-hmm. for those listening in uh that don't know me I was in a near fatal car accident about five years ago um I was in the hospital for about a month I had my body almost completely broken in half so I had to learn how to walk again for a year I had brain damage um and it cost me my main career yeah which was um I was a storyboard and production artist mm-hmm. for film and television and the parts of my brain that were damaged, um, part of it was the art side. That sucks. Yeah. Fair, thankfully, um, I had been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. Um, which is crazy for me to think about because you're barely in your 30s. Yeah, I started <laughs> early. <laughs> you, you had a 10-year storyboard? Mm-hmm. Career? Career storyboard career. Oh my gosh. I worked on Sleepy Hollow. I worked on um, uh, Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, I worked on Sesame Street. I also worked a little bit for Marvel's uh, motion comic division through a studio in Nashville. Wow. Um, so I, uh, and I forget about that. And my dad pointed it out that, hey, you actually retrieved what was that word? I don't word? even know what that word was. <laughs> <laughs> Achieved <laughs> um, my career goal. Of being a storyboard artist. Yeah. You had like a fully functioning storyboard career mm-hmm. for 10 years. Yep. And then I did it again with costuming. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, that was a very short-lived career um, as I found out that costuming is intensely stressful. Yes. Um, I loved being a costume coordinator at the few times I could find that job. Yeah. Um, and then the, the car accident happened. Yeah. Um, and I have not been able to go back to that. Um, but that's okay. Because it's a lot of hours. It's, it's a lot of... A lot of physical stress. High energy, mental, like... Yeah. Stuck in an office. It's... It's hard. It's for, very, very hard work, even for a normal, healthy person. And... Like me, who's currently working... A costuming job. <laughs> yes, we have discussed <laughs> <And> this. <laughs> I just, I personally don't do well in an office. Like, I'll do what I need to do work-wise, but I prefer to be on set 
I prefer to have that creative outlet, which is also one reason why I started this podcast. Um, is so that I had some sort of creative outlet. It's why I do it's so musicals and plays and mm-hmm. cosplay and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, but but the storyboard stuff, <laughs> you actually got that. I assume you got into that because of your parents. Ha. So funny story about that. Um, so my dad mm-hmm. uh, was a storyboard artist back in the... 80s and 90s, he worked on uh, He-Man and She-Ra and Fat Albert, and he did a couple boards for Darkwing Duck and Tailspin. Oh my gosh. But mainly He-Man. That's what he's he's known for. So if you look at Robert Lamb, He-Man, that's my daddy. Ha, have You need to... Has your dad watched The Toys That Made Us? I believe so, because that's come up a lot. Okay, because they did an, an episode on He-Man. Yes. And so... <laughs> It's um, so funny to be at conventions with my dad and watching people older than me coming up to my dad going, you helped shape my childhood. And I'm just like, daddy. <laughs> he helped shape my childhood too. Because <laughs> he is my dad. Um, but interestingly enough, my dad actually stayed out of my artistic development. Really? Um, one, because I think there was a part of him that didn't want me to turn out like him. Yeah. Um, because also, it's not a stable... Yeah. Even though I worked 10 years as a storyboard artist, it would be like a couple jobs here and there. Right. It was mm-hmm. not a sustainable, livable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, art may be genetic. It is. Because despite I him fully, trying to stay out of it, I, I still drew. Yes, I fully feel like art is genetic. Um, like... You know, Dustin and his daughter, like, she has, she has Dustin's artistic talent, like, and she, that's what she wants to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, I got an injection from my mom, too, because she's, well, she's technically a fantasy author, mm-hmm. um, because baby Brianna was like, I've read all the fantasy books in the library three times. Hey, mom, you're a writer. <laughs> Can you write me something? And she did. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Best mom so cool. ever. Yep. Her Alan book series. It's like a Narnia, Lord of the Rings kind of allegorical Love fiction that. thing. But she also would draw some stuff too. So it's like I had a very, very creative upbringing. Even though Good. they were trying awesome. to stay out of my yeah. art. And I still... I'm daddy's little girl clone. Yeah. So it was inevitable that storyboards were going to come out of my fingers. Well, but I also feel like he... Like even if he... If he tried to stay out of it so that you didn't quite... End up going down the road. He also probably stayed out of it so that if that is what you wanted to do, he didn't feel like you're doing it because of him. Exactly. And I was rebellious in my own way. I went storyboarding for live action. Brianna. (laughs) Rebellious? What? (sighs) Yes. I went live action instead of animation. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, okay, so for, obviously for animation, storyboarding is insanely so intense insanely important and intense because it's all it's all drawing mm-hmm. to some degree so what's the difference in live action compared to animation it i will admit it totally depends on the director mm-hmm. um the general point of animation storyboards or, or a difference point in animation if you're showing an action you have to board the beginning, the middle, and the end of the action. So Mm -hmm. if somebody's, you know, 
raising a sword, you have to show pulling it out of the scabbard, swinging it, and holding it up. Got so it. you have to show all three versus live action, you show maybe two panels. Basically, whenever the camera changes or there's a camera tracking movement. Got it. So it's much more like skeleton of a, of a storyboard. Yeah, it it's entirely dependent on camera movement yeah. and angles. Because um, I definitely have had some boards, uh, some, some jobs where I had a million boards to do. Yeah. And then other jobs where I had half of that. Yeah. And it's also dependent on director. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes... The directors are very specific. They know exactly what they want. Yeah. Um, I actually like those. Those are the easy jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then others that they have a general idea mm-hmm. and then they let you play and then yeah. you thumbnail it out and send it back to them. And um, yeah, so it can, it can be all over the map. That's really cool then. I think I have done a couple animation boards. I personally didn't like animation boards, um, also because you had to tend to draw on model. Yeah. So it needed to look exactly like oh, yeah. the characters. Um, and I am Whereas, not good at that. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> like, live action is just like, it's a quick sketch. Depending. Depending. Um, I also, I, and I've always been like this. I don't know why. I find it a lot easier to draw realistic people than to draw cartoons. Really? I'm weird. <laughs> Interesting. Have you met me? <laughs> this is true. This is true. But, huh. That's really interesting. Because, see, I'm the opposite. I can't draw real people to say most. Most people are like that. But I can draw animated. I want to say that might have to do something with um, a, a punishment that I had when I was a kid. Uh, and I'll forever be grateful to my parents about this. Like, I, this is a moment in time where I wish I could take this snapshot of what I'm about to say... And run it back to my teenage self and be like, you're going to be fine. (laughs) Because I was obsessed with anime. Um, 100% otaku. Um, But my parents also understood that, one, I was developing an obsessive personality. And I needed to get broken of that mm -hmm. before it hurt me. Yeah. Um, And two, dad was seeing, despite best efforts, that, oh boy, she's got the art talent. Okay. Well, she's not going to get a job doing anime. That's not, um, now that can completely be debated now, but at the time, mm-hmm. if no, that was not, that was not a thing. So my parents put me on anime restriction. Oh no. Um, which I thought was the worst thing in the world at the time. When you're a preteen teenager oh, man. and your mangas get taken away and, oh, man. oh my gosh, I was like beside myself. And I thought my parents were the most unreasonable things on the planet. And dad, in his gentle wisdom, was like, okay, well, let's take these anime characters that you've drawn. Why don't you try drawing them in a Disney style? And then try doing it in, like, a realistic style. Because I did always love comics. Mm -hmm. Like, X-Men was my favorite comic we had the How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. I still have it on my shelf. It is completely busted at the spine because I've used it so much. Um, and I can I can show you later in my sketchbooks. You can literally see when the anime restriction happened. Oh my gosh. And you can see the where I would literally draw the anime face. And then I would draw my attempt at the realistic face. And then I started copying 
you know, just getting magazines and drawing figures I'd see. Yeah. And sure enough, that developed. Wow. And then I had a career as a storyboard artist for 10 years. And wow. I would be known for my comic Art of the Matrix kind of style. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. It's like my parents understood something about this raising a kid thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like you turned out pretty all right. Yeah. I so. think so. <laughs> I have my moments. So, um, so you went from the storyboard to costumes. Yes. And then that was cut pretty short. Due to the accident, yeah. Um, and then, then the lady nerd? Well... Now, because my life is like this, all of it intertwines. Okay. So I was also doing extra work at the same time. So I was starting in on set. Mm -hmm. And then my first job after the car accident, once I was recovered enough to walk, even though I was still technically on my cane, was I was a waitress slash comic store associate at my parents' basement. Yes. uh, In Avondale Estates. I love my parents' basement. I've done Drink and Draw there a couple times. Um... They have one of the best burgers I've ever tasted oh in my, my life. Oh my gosh, their burgers, their their sandwiches are so good. Um, their fries are insane. Um, but they just let me know that they've discontinued drink and draw. Oh, like indefinitely no. for a while, and I'm so sad. I that love drink sad. and draw. So my first Boom. my first character uh, doing drink and draw there was Polaris. Oh, <laughs> I remember the pictures. Um, but yeah, no, I love my, my parents' basement. Yeah, so I was doing that, and then I would also get storyboard jobs that I would do on my off times. Um, And then, unfortunately, just due to the nature of waitressing, Mm -hmm. I was not making enough to keep working. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had to to leave. Um, Although I love them. They're great people. They are. They're so I love the bosses. They give me hugs every time I come in. Um, And uh, I then... years. Oh, then I had um, a couple of extra gigs here and there, mm-hmm. but I still wasn't really. I'm unemployed a lot, <laughs> a lot, which is very typical when you start in the film industry. You're welcome to this life. Yes. So having a storyboard job for you know career for ten years sounds really glamorous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, the. Big turning point for me was in 2016 after I'd had a nasty breakup and was feeling real down on life in general. Mm-hmm. And I got, um, I met a friend, uh, his name is Russell Snipes. He's an oh, amazing, I know Russell Snipes. yeah, he's an amazing model. <laughs> he um, is, oh my god, actor. Like, he's so beautiful. Like, like his stuff pops up on my Facebook because we're Facebook friends, and mm-hmm. just like. Like, jeez, dude. <laughs> like, could you be any prettier? Like, right? he is so... He's so pretty. And, and uh, he, but, And he's busy all the time. Mm-hmm. No, he knows how to network like nobody's business. And a friend of... A mutual friend of ours introduced us because he's like, Hey, this is my friend Brianna. She's a really great model, but she is struggling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, can you... You two network, hook up, and, and help each other. And we did. Um... Of course, I'm thinking, I had the same thought. I was like, oh, this beautiful man it likes my stuff and he's, thinks I'm He's literally, as, at least right now, he literally looks like a, 
he looks like Prince Adam from Beauty and the Beast. Like that, he's got the long hair. <laughs> I can see that. He, the the eyes, like that is what he looks like right now. I could see that. He's gorgeous. It, and yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I had gotten a, it was either a phone call or a message from Central Casting. Um, or no, 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 I got it from Russell. That's right. Russell had sent me a message. He was like, yeah, you should try to stand in stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sent me the one for MacGyver because mm-hmm. he ended up actually being, uh, MacGyver's first stand-in, mm. um, on season one. Mm-hmm. Yep. He was Lucas Till stand-in on, uh, the majority of season one. And, uh, there was a call for a stand-in for the first boss, mm-hmm. um, Sandrine Holt. Um, and... He was like, you should apply. And I'm like, I don't fit the description. It's Asian American, taller than me. He's like, do it anyway. And I'm like, no, no, it's I, it, I don't fit it. Do it. Like, he just, he wouldn't let up. Um, I was like, okay, okay, okay. I did it just to be like, look at this. I'm I not going to get it. Whatever. But I can at least say And it. then. Yep. Central called almost immediately and was like, you're booked. I'm like, wait, what? And this was my first stand-in job. That's how it happened. Because I was, at that time, Central Casting had just moved to Georgia. Yeah. And they did not have any tall women on the books. Yeah. And it ended up, that was the big turning point. And I I owe that to Russell because if I hadn't applied. Mm -hmm. Who knows where you would be right. And, and I got in right at the start of central casting. One of the very few times in my life of being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And I, MacGyver will always have a major place in my heart because your it's first sa- show always does. Yeah. And it also it saved me from a very dark place. Yeah. In my life personally, and it's also, I mean, MacGyver's right up my alley. It's it is like spy kind of stuff and just. It was an adventure on set every single day, mm-hmm. and it was such a fun set. You were mentioning earlier about Pokemon. Oh yes. Oh. Back to um, Pokemon. Oh, we were a big Pokemon Go set because the stages were on a Pokemon spawning ground. Oh no! And we were always playing. That's dangerous. And a uh, little tidbit: um, our 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 leading actor loves Pokemon, and we would play jokes on him. About uh, various Pokemon, rare Pokemon that were mm-hmm. spawning nearby. And we'd watch him, like, bolt to go grab it and then come back before they started oh rolling. <laughs> that sounds just like him, though. <laughs> Sometimes when he'd be, he'd be chilling out between takes, he'd have the phone in one hand, playing Pokemon Go, and then a DS in the other hand. Oh, Lord. Playing Pokemon. It was great. Oh, my gosh. So the set was super fun. At yeah. least... In my little stand-in bubble. I know I heard a lot of people say the season one was very stressful and not a good time. But on my end, it was mm-hmm. one of the best experiences I've ever had. And I that started my stand-in career. And I had two or three years of great luck. Because I knew mm-hmm. eventually that was going to run out. And it did last year. Um, because you have, as you know, you have to be yeah. matched to oh, an yeah, actor. Absolutely. So you have to be a similar height, similar look, similar, similar skin coloring, tone, hair color. And me being on the semi taller end and pale and dark haired, that's not a normal combination. Um, but I just, I kept getting very lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. 
Um, I didn't realize I started standing in and doing all of that before you. Mm-hmm. I thought you would. I thought you had been doing it as long as I have. No. So I had. I was doing extra work a lot mm-hmm. before that, and I was one of those the core extras that stay with a show for an entire season. Yeah, that was me on Dallas. That yeah, was so my, I had been on. Show. I had been on multiple shows where I was. Mm-hmm. You know, if they had a day where they needed a thousand extras, I'd get called. If they needed yep. a day with two extras, I'd get called. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's you know, eighty beats a little fry on the totem pole. But, yes. Um. But it also. It weirdly gained me a reputation. Yeah, no, same. Still blows my mind. I mean, we... Went into me doing some standing work, and then that's actually how I got the Salem job. And uh, they were looking for someone uh, of, like, my height and hair color and all of that for Salem. And they offered it to me while I was working on Dallas, because it was the same extras casting company. So I moved from one show straight to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I worked on Salem for two seasons. And I loved that show so much. Um, it was, it, it made my little, like, history heart happy <laughs> of, you know, Salem witch trials and witches and all of that. And I got to work with cool people like Shane West uh, from uh, A Walk to Remember. Which, I never saw that movie until after I started working on Salem. <laughs> and so, it was a really weird disconnect of ha- seeing, like, baby Shane on the screen with adult Shane's voice that I knew and was familiar with. And I was just like, oh, this is really weird. <laughs> but uh, Shane is really awesome. He was just uh, on Gotham. He played Bane nice. on Gotham. Um, we had uh, Seth Gable, who was... Count Vertigo on Arrow the first season. Like, there was a lot of, like, nerd stuff going around. So, and a lot of my Dallas crew was on Salem. So, nice. and now all of my Salem crew is pretty much out here. <laughs> Salem's not happening anymore. And so. we have all we have all the nerdy stuff out here now. Mm-hmm. Like, so we, we have so much of the Marvel projects. And... Yeah, so we worked on Gifted together. Mm-hmm. Um, had a great time. Got to do all the X-Men things. Yes. Um, you still are nerdy little hearts. You stood in for Polaris, yes, Lorna Dane. Um, but you've also worked on other nerdy. I've worked on a lot. You've worked on a lot of Marvel stuff. I have. I've either been an extra or a stand-in. So you, I know you said, did you stand in on Ragnarok? Or... I did. That was. Probably the hardest, but one of the funnest sets I've been on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was Kate Blanchett's stand-in for Hella. Um, when they did when they did the reshoots, reshoots because most of that filmed in yeah. Australia. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So and then you, it wasn't Guardians. It was. Yeah, I just had one day of being a running screaming extra. On did that. you work on Guardians? Two. Guardians two. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then what was? Was it Infinity War that you were you like you were like an alien or something like that? Yeah, I worked on both Endgame and Infinity War, um, where the makeup department discovered I have a chameleon face mm-hmm. that if you put me in different hair and makeup, you, you won't recognize me. No, um, which was always very fun to mess with the PAs when I would walk in and they'd be like, "Oh, hey, Rihanna, okay, cool, you're over here," um, and like, there's something weird about. 
people's facial features, I guess, where you put them in different hair and makeup and you can still tell it's that person. And me, for some reason, mm -hmm. in person, they would try to sign me in again. And I'm like, hi, it's me. I'd be like, wait, what? Um, so they actually brought me back for multiple alien races. That's really cool. That was super fun. And that was... I had told myself at that point in my career, I'm like, oh, okay, I have paid my dues with extra work. Yeah. I'm not going to do extra work again. Um, not anything against extras. Obviously, no. I did it for years. Yeah. But due to the low pay rate and the way a lot of sets treat extras, it is grueling and it's not always worth it. But if you need an easy paycheck. Exactly. And I was like, okay, you know what? I do have certain like film set bucket list things um, or even cosplay. And one of them was I would love to do... Film level alien makeup prosthetic stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, can't get any bigger than Avengers. Right. Um, so I was like, sure, I will happily sit in your chair at two in the morning and do that. And become um, an alien for yes. Avengers. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And I was very lucky that I got to be uh, the makeup test model for Gamora's race, the Zohobarai. Oh, that's really cool, too. Um, so they would test the makeup on me first before they would bring in all the extras to do that. And that was, that was super fun to see since they basically did Gamora's makeup on me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so for viewers listening, when you see extras in Avengers, Infinity War or Endgame, they have the same level of makeup as the actors. Does. Um, so like we had five, six levels of layers of the green and gold makeup. Wow. It was incredible. And you know, we're a little tiny little, Little dots. Little dots on the screen. Like, mm -hmm. you could have one or two layers and it'd be fine. But they went to that level of dedication. Well, but they also have the budget to do that. True. <laughs> and it was super It was super fun for us to... Yeah. Um, and I have to majorly give it to the... Uh, to that team on Infinity War. And I wish I had pictures of it. But obviously, being on set, you can't. Like, they literally tell you to leave your phone in your car. Oh, yeah. They will... They Check it out. There's no NDAs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. But they managed to make me, generic white girl number three, look ethnically ambiguous. That's crazy. It was insane. That is so crazy. Yeah. So. They, they did such an incredible job with all the makeup and prosthetics. Yeah. Um, I also totally fell asleep during the casting process. <laughs> um, I called it the Avengers facial. Um, when they were doing the my a head cast, yeah. When they would put all the all the green goop on me, because um, they're like, okay, we're checking that you're not claustrophobic. A lot mm -hmm. of people have a problem with this, and I fell asleep. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you would fall asleep. I love being in hair and makeup chairs as long as they're not pulling my hair. Right. I will fall asleep. It's so relaxing to me. Oh my gosh, but uh, <laughs> but you, I see. I wanted to. I wanted so badly to work on Avengers. Um, when I heard that Infinity War and Endgame were shooting here, because um, I had stood in for Elizabeth Olsen on a movie called I Saw the Light mm -hmm. back in Louisiana in 2014. One of the best projects I've ever worked on. The movie didn't do very well because it was like a small indie biopic on Hank Williams. Um, Tom Hiddleston played Hank Williams. He was phenomenal. Um, and Elizabeth played his wife, uh, Audrey. Mm -hmm. And so I got to stand in for her and double for her. 
and she was amazing. But this was right before she had already filmed Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. but it was right before it came out. So she wasn't she was Scarlet Witch at that point, but like not mm-hmm. like super popular Scarlet Witch because the movie hadn't come out yet. Yeah, so nobody quite knew, knew yet. But um, like I'm a huge Scarlet Witch fan, mm-hmm. um, and I actually cosplay her version of Scarlet Witch. Um, but you do I was just, job. oh, thanks. Um, but I, like, I went to Central and I was just like, please, please let me stand in for her. I've done it before. Please. And they were like, yeah, you know, she's doing a lot of stuff in Scotland, but you know, we'll, we'll let you know. And I never heard from them. I'm so and sorry. I was just like, okay, no <laughs> Avengers for me. I think I only stood in one day. Um. And it was because I was on Gifted, because they mm-hmm. actually wanted me to be um, Colby Smolder's stand-in. Yeah. Agent Maria Hill. You would be a good stand-in for her. I did get to do it for one day, um, which was super fun. We called it the stand-in convention. There's a particular scene, big spoiler scene, in uh, Endgame. I won't say it, just in case there's somebody who hasn't seen it yet. Um, Is it towards the end? Yes. Okay. Uh, where there's lots and lots and lots of people, the A-list actors. And so they wanted to set up the shot before the actors even came. So they did it the weekend before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a who's who of stand-ins in Atlanta. It was like almost all of us because it was like 40 of us. Except for you. Um, and it was at a cabin type thing mm-hmm. on the lake. We just had a blast with that. Oh, that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I know what you're talking about. And we were not... We all had numbers. We were not allowed to know what characters we were standing in for because it was Marvel. What number were you? I don't remember the number, but we were... I don't. Because none of us cared about the numbers. We were all trying to figure out who each other was because we're like... We all looked pretty much like the characters, so we all figured out who everybody was. But there's kind of enough similarities between some of the characters to where... Like, you might be like, I feel like you are the stand-in for this person, but I could be wrong. We, you think that, but actually it was, and it was also because they were in particular groups. Oh, yeah, that's right. But I know, like, the PAs would still come by and be like, stop talking about it. And we're like, but But, but how can we not? They successfully got us to shut up by giving us Chick-fil-A. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Just feed them food. That's, that's why we go. That's why we work it's on the set. Food. The show I'm on right now, we have Mario's <gasps> catering. Mario's is so good. Friday at lunch, we had ribeye steak and shrimp scampi and baked potatoes. And oh man, it was so good. I remember I season like, one on MacGyver. So good. Was, it was like gourmet meals every day. It was yeah. unreal. Like I was so healthy. My favorite thing that only Mario's does is the pasta bar. Mm, yep. Where you pick your you pick your ingredients for your pasta, and then you take it and you pick your pasta type and you pick your sauce, and then they mix it all together and you it's a pasta bar. Oh, it's so good. All the carbs. Oh man, so good. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we talked a lot about the past. Mm-hmm. The last question I have for you about your past is thinking back. What did baby Brianna want to do when she grew up? Hmm. Baby Brianna wanted to be a fighter pilot. Okay. 
You asked. You are not the first person. Um, so, so I've, I've already, like, uh, recorded a couple episodes with some other people, um, before I got the chance to do with you, but obviously this will be the first one that comes out, but, um, one of the other people who I may or may not live with, um, (laughs) he wanted to be a fighter pilot too. So. Now, the question is, was he actually trained to be a pilot and then got, Almost got into the Air Force Academy. No, because his vision was just bad enough. Yeah, mine was my hearing because I am, I'm actually half deaf. I'm completely deaf in my left ear. Um, But I actually went through, I was in Civil Air Patrol, ROTC. Mm -hmm. I actually could have had my pilot's license before my driver's license. I'm kicking myself that I didn't do that just for the bragging rights. Because, you know, what is a 15-year-old going to do with pilot's license? Um, Yeah. Can't exactly drive a Cessna through McDonald's. No, um, <laughs> but it is bragging rights. Oh, yeah. Um, but at least I can I can say the semi-bragging rights of right. kind of have my pilot's well, license. See, my dad and my brother are both pilots. So my dad was in the Air Force and now he flies yeah. for... I wanted to be an F-14 mm-hmm. Tomcat fighter pilot. I wanted to try to get into the Blue Angels. Are you going to Are you gonna go see Top Gun? Of course. Of course. Oh Although technically, for me, uh, like a lot of people say, oh, Top Gun is what got them into it. Mm-mm. Mine was Independence Day and Star Wars because I wanted to be an X-Wing pilot. Uh, ab- yes, absolutely. Duh. No, when but I... But mainly went, Independence Day. I have never... So my dad, obviously my dad was a pilot. Um, and then my brother just, that's what he wanted to do. All of his life, he knew that's what he wanted to do. And that was never, I, like I loved it. But that was never like a, I want to be a pilot too. Because it's a lot of math and science. Mm-hmm. I'm not good at that. It's funny. I'm not either. But for some reason, being in the cockpit, mm-hmm. I because I had really good reaction times. I had very yeah. good intuition as a pilot. Yeah. Um, but, and I had, because I'm half deaf, my eyesight overcompensated. Yeah. So I had 20-10 vision for the longest Ooh. time. And I would ace simulations. Um, when I took the ASVAB test, I scored, like, in the top percentile for piloting. I had recruiters yeah. knocking at my door. Um, and I was fully planning on going. Mm-hmm. And I had dual appointments to both West Point and Air Force Academy. Wow. Um, so I could have chosen either one. And then I met with a recruiter to just talk through logistics of, mm-hmm. you know, Air Force life. Because um, I decided as much as I loved uh, F-14s in the Navy, I did not like the idea of taking off of aircraft carriers. Um, so when he and I were talking and going through boot camp logistics, and I forget exactly how it came up, but the different physical requirements came up. And I saw... I knew about the eyesight, and I'm like, well, I'm good for that. I'm a pilot. Right. On the pilot front. Um, but then I saw the hearing, and I was like, oh, um, you should probably. Wait a minute. And I found out that, because at that time, I was like 57% deaf, mm-hmm. and then I'm now 100% deaf in the left ear. Um, but you can't join the military at all, even for a desk job. Wow. If you're half deaf. Wow. Like, you can't go through basic. You can't. I was like, oh, okay, well, you know what? I also, because I liked all the spy stuff, I was like, oh, well, I also like intelligence, so I can do that instead, even though my pilot heart was crushed. Um, and they're like, God, no, you can't even do that. So I was like, well. Womp. So baby Brianna was crushed. 
But thankfully, Baby Brianna also had different interests. Mm-hmm. Movies had always been a yeah. part of my life. Yeah. Um, so I switched into going to school for being a director until I saw how directors lived. And I was like, I don't want that life. I was it's very- It's a lot of, yeah. like, from all of the directors that I know, it's a lot of, like, you take work home with you because you have yep. to create your shot list. You have yep. to- You like, eat, you live, have- and breathe film. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I believe in balance. Especially while you're on that project. Yeah. And just in general, like, I have friends who are directors and I just- I lived overseas mm-hmm. for a while. You did. You lived in New Zealand. I did. I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was another thing of like, I I couldn't be like a normal person and go to Los Angeles to Damn. try a movie career. I'm like, I'm going to go to New Zealand where they made Lord of the Rings, my one of my favorite movies. I'm going to do that. Well, they also shot the new season of Power Rangers there too. Mm-hmm. So They're, they have filmed a lot there, and I that was one of the greatest mm-hmm. years of my new life. New Zealand is. Gorgeous. It is. It is everything you think it is and more. You need to go to New Zealand. Like, that's, like, top of my bucket list. Yeah. It's worth it, and I encourage anybody who has the chance to go to go. It's incredibly expensive, Mm -hmm. um, both to fly there and vacation there and live there, but it is absolutely 100% worth it. That's awesome. Um, I almost got into their film industry. I got so close. I I was this close. I actually had interviews with Weta Workshop oh, wow. when I was 19, um, and I got very, very close, but it was also 2008, 2009 when the global economy collapse was happening, Yeah, and so everybody was tightening their belts, mm-hmm. um, so I, that's why I ended up coming home, but it, it worked out. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't fail. No. It, it took me a while for me to understand that. Yeah. Because to 19-year-old Brianna, what a workshop, potentially working on The Hobbit was the absolute pinnacle of, course. of my life, if, yes. I, if I could have done that. Um, but that was not where I was supposed to be, because I also got very sick when mm-hmm. I was in New Zealand. Um, and thankfully, due to their hospital system and medic- medical system, I was taken care of, but due to jobs, I needed to come home. Right. And... Thankfully, moving to Atlanta, yeah. I was able to fulfill that career. And now I can say, I, even though it was just an extra job, mm-hmm. I got to work on the biggest film that's ever been made. Yeah. The Avengers. Yes. And I've gotten to work on geek projects that if I had been in New Zealand, you never I would never have gotten to do. You would have never met me. I would have never met you. Or Dustin. Or Dustin. Or anyone that's here. I, it, yeah, I would have been in New Zealand and I have an amazing group of friends there but Mm -hmm. the support system that I have here and the types of friends that are here yeah and the creative community here is it's unrivaled it's so crazy Mm -hmm. and like that's why I moved here because after Salem it was either I come to Atlanta or I go to LA and I had family here like all of my dad's family is from here and so that's why I chose here because I was at least I was like at least if I move to Atlanta, I have family there that can, like, I have, like, a support system and people yeah. I know. There's a safety net. Yes. Um, and so that's why there are parts of me that really wish I had just gone to L.A. Because all through college, I was looking at moving to L.A. as soon as I graduated. And then I got caught up doing Dallas and Salem and all of that. And then, then this happened. And had I not moved here, like... I wouldn't have 
met Dustin. I wouldn't have met mm-hmm. any of my friends here. Um, probably wouldn't have started this podcast. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's amazing how things roll together. Like, I'm yeah. originally from Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Nashville. Because Nashville reminds me, uh, because I'm from Texas, mm-hmm. Nashville reminds me a lot of, like, the Fort Worth, like, country scene. Gotcha. And so I think that's why I love it so much is because... Because you a country girl. I am. Deep, deep down in my heart. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I ride horses. I used to rodeo in high school. Um, I actually currently teach actors how to ride horses. <laughs> um, and so that's been really fun to kind of do and kind of mush those two worlds together. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, I but love, I love Nashville so much. <laughs> It's, I have, I have a love for Nashville, but the work was not there. Oh yeah. Of and that's, I made a gamble. I mm-hmm. took a risk because I was looking at, I needed to move somewhere right. for my work. Like, right. was it going to be Austin or Los Angeles or New York? I'm like, there's no film and television here. And yeah. I, this is where I, this is my calling. This is where I must go. Mm-hmm. And at the time in 2012, weren't sure where the next Hollywood was going to land because it was definitely leaving Los Angeles. Right. And it stopped in New Orleans for a while. Yeah, it was. And it was either going to be New Orleans, Mm -hmm. Atlanta, or Wilmington. And New Orleans and Wilmington were hopping pretty Mm -hmm. hard. Exactly. Uh, I don't know why. And I I don't know if I'd call it premonition or just a gut feeling. I was like, I really think it's going to be Atlanta. Yeah. And then you were talking earlier about support network. You know, it's a few hours from my parents back in Nashville. So I can still, I can be healthily away from my parents, but also be near enough that I can go back and visit That was That was Louisiana for me when Mm -hmm. I was three hours from my parents. But I was also like, I'm here. I'm like living my life, working on this show. And it's great, but I can, I don't have to go home every weekend because it's just far enough. Mm -hmm. But I also, if I want to go home, I yeah, exactly. Um, so I was like, well, you know what? I can just try a little bit here mm-hmm. um, and see how it goes. And it happened to be 2013 was the year that Atlanta exploded. Yeah. And I, again, one of those few times, because I'm usually the wrong person in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. But I've had a couple instances and that was one of the right place, right time. Yeah. So do you want to talk about what you have upcoming. I don't know if you're at a point where you can kind of talk about it. Um, I know that you've told me, uh, because obviously we're best friends. Yeah. Um, Cause use a confidant. <laughs> yes. And I'm not going to go just like blab it out to the world. Um, but if, you know, if you want to talk about it, go for it. But either way, it's really cool. And I can't wait for you to like get it out in the world. Thank you. Yeah. It's been, man, it's been a journey with that. Cause it's, it's your baby. You know, it's my baby. Um, and I know you've been working really hard on it. Yeah, because so. I've I've had a lot of stuff with trying to make the lady nerd business and that not working. And then my uh, psychologist, after my accident, said you should really look at trying to do something that you can create that will sell itself. Mm-hmm. And I've been struggling with that for like four years. Yeah. Because a lot of the things that I was thinking of were one-off creations, not sustainable. And then I had an idea come to me. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was a combination of me being sick a lot mm-hmm. um, from various injuries that I got in the accident and undiagnosed digestive disorder. So I'm usually on the floor or in my bed. Um, and 
when I'm not working. It, it'll be one or the other. You'll see me on social media. Either I'm running full steam ahead like mm-hmm. a crazy person or I'm, you know, look like I'm about to die. <laughs> There's no in between. <laughs> and then I'll usually do the things right back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of loungewear and sleepwear in our price range is very um, not classy. And there's nothing like when you're feeling sick and gross of, like, feeling like you look gross, too. Yeah. Um, and like a pajama hobo? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so I was just like, oh, I wish I had just some nice sleepwear, loungewear, like they used to have back in the day, you know, that were just, like, the silk pajamas and... Something you would imagine Julie Andrews to wear. Yes, just, you know, their flowing robes and pretty things, just so that even if I'm lounging sick in bed, I can still look fabulous. Yes. Not that anybody's here to look at it, but it was just for me, you know? Right. Um, It's the self-confidence aspect. Exactly. I'm just feeling nice. Um, Just walking by your mirror and being like, you know what? I know I'm just home today, but I look cute. <laughs> just so. lift, lift your spirits, because yeah. you know, when you're feeling sick, you want to grab onto anything positive. Mm-hmm. And then as I was looking around, trying to find anything like that, I'm like, you know what? It doesn't really exist in the um, geek capacity, because of course, everything with me has to be geek. Of course. Um, and there's tons of, you know, pajamas and sleepwear and loungewear out there. Um, for geeks now, mm-hmm. um, but they are of a, trying to figure out how exactly I phrase it. Um, they are of a super comfy capacity. Yes. Comfy, but like look wise, they can air more on the juvenile side. Mm-hmm. And not that there is anything wrong with that. No. Um, not quite my shtick. Um, so I thought, wait, what if I design something? And then I swear it was like my brain got smacked with something. That's good, though. You want, like... In a good way, not the car accident way. No. <laughs> yes, we definitely don't want your brain to be smacked again like it was in no. the accident. Absolutely not. Um, but no, it's good. It's good when you find that one thing that you've been searching to do as a creative that you're just like, I just, I feel so stuck. Mm-hmm. And then you just, you come to an epiphany and you're like... This is it. Like, oh my why god. Didn't oh my I, god. Why didn't I think of this sooner? And now I have to do it all right now. Yeah. Like, like I have to do this with every fiber of my being. Otherwise, I might actually die. Yeah. Because I have to be creative. Yep. And I had that. And I technically have actually been working on this idea for, I know, definitely a year, it, almost two years. I was about to say, it's been like a hot second. The problem has been is that life interferes. Yes. Of um, course. It always, life always interferes when you're trying to start a business. Yeah. And it's, especially because I've been doing it all on my own mm-hmm. and trying to figure it all out. And I've been, I mean, I've been learning a ton about. Mm-hmm. Well, but at least you're being careful with it and you're researching and you're, mm-hmm. you're really taking your time instead of, yeah. even though you want to rush into it and get it done and get it started and do. I want to do it right. You want to do it right and you want to do it smartly that way. It's, it's an investment that takes off the way it should mm-hmm. and not an investment that just, pfft. yeah. Cause one, so. I don't, I don't want it. Obviously as with most business owners, you don't want it to fail, but I also want it to not only benefit me, but also benefit customers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really, really, really excited about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited too. sleepwear company. Like, In fact, I've actually got 
all my samples in Yay. for my manufacturers. I'm starting with the women's line because that's what I know. Mm-hmm. I am a woman, so I uh, I figure I'm going to start there. Although I absolutely have future plans to launch a men's line and mm-hmm. there's there's so much room to grow. Yes. No, and I'm so excited that like from the start like you are so conscious of inclusion. Yes. Of different sizes and builds and not every woman is built as a size 0 to 2. Mhm. Like like it no. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that I made that point from the front. Like even though I originally created the idea because of me, I'm also very conscious of my privilege as a model. Yes. Um and I wanted to create this company for geeks, for mm-hmm. geek women to feel chic and for mainstreamers who may not be as as open with their geekiness as we are, mm-hmm. but still they love their Disney princesses and their their Star Wars characters and whatnot. Um, to be able to wear that and not feel like they're sacrificing themselves. So I wanted to right. blend both. And I'm like, you know what? That requires me to not be in my little size zero to two model box. Right. And look at all the different shapes and sizes and colors. So I've been mm-hmm. color matching... Um, different skin tones, trying to figure out which shade would be best on the most amount of skin tones I can find. Um, what type of fibers will be best on people with sensitive skin mm-hmm. as well as regular skin. Um, obviously starting out, I have to start small and limited, right. um, but it's been a really fun mm-hmm. process. And I know next weekend I'm having a try on party. Woo! Um, that since I've got my samples in to start that I'm having, I've invited a bunch of friends that are different colors and shapes and sizes Mm -hmm. and heights to come try the different sizes on and give feedback. Yeah. Before I start trying to launch anything. I'm excited. Thank you. I'm, Ah. I'm, I'm also trying to get out of the depression that I was in last year and try to put on the, dare I say it, hashtag girl boss. Yes, CEO, entrepreneur type of cap on. Yeah, no, girl, I, I feel you on that. You and I have. That's one thing (laughs) we've kind of been able to bond over is the last year we've really just taken a step back, and reassessed, and gone back to the roots of why we love things and how we can use it to further our lives. Mm -hmm. Um. And, and help so, others. Too. And help others. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. It, it's been funny to me, like, even in the course of this this podcast conversation of, like, yeah, our lives creatively have been very much mirroring each mm-hmm. other. And so, like, that's one reason why, again, I created this podcast is because I know so many of these people. And in, it didn't always used to be this way, but in this day and age, it's so cool quote quote to be a nerd now so weird (laughs) but but people don't realize that if you have these hobbies that you love like like you love board games or you love superheroes or you love dungeons and dragons or you like you love star wars or whatever there are so many different avenues and ways to incorporate that into your life and actually make a job or career out of it Mm -hmm. and i really wanted to just like 
show that off and highlight that it actually is possible. Oh, yeah. And you really can, like, live your happiness however you want and make a life out of it and not have to necessarily be stuck at a nine-to-five office job and just be like, oh, man, I really wish there was a way for me to have a job in Dungeons & Dragons when, you know, maybe what you're doing at your office, you could also do in the office at Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. You know? Like, there's so many possibilities. Oh, yeah. And I think for, for me, um, if people can take this away from mm-hmm. listening to me on this podcast of even if you don't make it, per se, mm-hmm. to keep trying. Right. Like, I didn't make it with the Lady Nerd as a business, but I haven't given up. Right. And the Lady Nerd has actually afforded me to do other things. Like, people mm-hmm. have shown my cosplay pictures or my geek mm-hmm. fashion pictures on set. Yeah. And in a couple of cases, that has actually gotten me work. Right. Um, or tiny like, clients or various things. Like, the things. Lady Nerd has become your personal brand. Yeah. Even if it didn't... It's like my out, portfolio. Yes. Even though it didn't really turn out as the business you wanted, mm-hmm. it's still how people identify you. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that's helped you in ways you couldn't have imagined. Yeah. And to always be open for the possibilities of things. Because we are now in the era of the geek. Yes. That you don't know what's going to happen. Like, people doing D&D podcasts. Yeah. And that being a job now. Yeah. Um, like Which is crazy. Yeah. A few years ago, like, nobody would have even thought that that would be viable. Like, like Dungeons & Dragons is almost a household name now. Mm-hmm. And... Even when I started playing D&D not that long ago, it was not a household name. Mm-hmm. When I started dating Dustin, he was like, I'm a LARPer. I play Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, you are a nerd. <laughs> I'm a nerd too, but you are a nerd. I love you, but you're a nerd. <laughs> and it, but it just like, then he was all like, well, I'm teaching my kids how to play Dun- Dungeons and Dragons. You're going to learn how to play too. And I was just like, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> I guess. And now I love this game. And it, and it ties so well in with my acting mm-hmm. of being almost like an at home workshop of like, because, because I'm very lucky and we get, I get to play with very role play heavy players. It's, it's an improv acting exercise. Yeah. Every time I play. And that just makes me a better actor at the end of the day. And so it, you know, it, it, it's cool how it all meshes. It all meshes together in some way. And I just, I love life. (laughs) You love being a geek. I love, I love being a nerd. Um, I've loved, like, I've loved Batman since I was wee little. Um, oh, yes. And Give me Catwoman all day long. Yeah. Catwoman is actually my favorite, my favorite character, like, comic character. My, my, I don't even know if it was my parents, but I just remember it was always my brother was Superman and I was Batman. And Batman the Animated Series was out when, when mm-hmm. I was growing up. And so I had all the, the Batman, Bruce Tim action figures and Batman was my thing. And now, like... Most people, if they know me from the internet, they know me for my Batgirl cosplay. Yep. Like, Batgirl has become such a big part of my life. And I know you identify with this, too, of finding that character that when you sit down and you read it in a comic, you're like, 
this is me. Yep. It's literally like they drew in, like they they base this character off of me. This is weird, but it's so satisfying to have a character that you identify with so hard. Mm-hmm. And it like for me, that's that's Barbara, Barbara Gordon. Like she, when I whenever I read any of her stuff, I'm just like, like this is me. And I like that it can be at different points, too. Like, for me, I actually... Because I never identified with Barbara Gordon. Mm -hmm. Because I was always on the Catwoman side of things. But... You are very Selena Kyle, like, in real life, though. Yes. Um, But then the accident happened. Mm Mm-hmm. And I started reading the comics of Oracle. Which I had already known of Oracle. Yes. From Birds of Prey and and whatnot. Um, But... Oh my gosh, like I resonated yeah. big time with that. And so it, I find that interesting, like it can, it can be different characters at different points in the life, like the stories are so um, relatable yeah. for so many people. And that's the beauty of comic books. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's especially, and especially when you like love to read, <laughs> you're just like, oh no, oh, I have this, this character that just... And I see I that in your cosplay too, where... Yeah. Because I know there's a, a negative part in cosplay of people claiming characters. Yeah. And I'm not about that life. Um, because, one, that's just not fair. There's room enough for everybody. There's room enough for everybody. But I also like what different people bring to the table. Just like different versions of characters. Like take Kitty Pride for example. Mm-hmm. Kitty Pride has been around for so long and has gone through so many different iterations. Mm-hmm. Um, like she's still the same character, but... There's She's got so many facets yeah. to her that if you have, let's say you have 20 friends and they all cosplay a different version, version of, Kitty, of Pride. Kitty Pride, they're still all legitimately Kitty Pride. And you could, you can also like, even like as couples, you have those different iterations of, you know, oh, you have this character that identify that is with this mm-hmm. person in the comics that you identify with, but then your other friend, you know... They could be that same character, but with the other. Like, you know, yep. like Barbara with Dick Grayson or, you know, Dick Grayson with Starfire or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, or Kitty with Colossus or Star-Lord or... Yeah. Did she ever get with Icewing? I don't... I don't remember. Yeah. Did she? I know her and Bobby were really close friends. Oh, God. My... I don't remember. I don't remember either. I hope no one takes away... I don't... I hope no one takes away our geek card. <laughs> Oh, remember when Derek Hoffman <laughs> took away my geek card on uh, Gifted? Yeah. Yeah. So, I must tell this story because this yes, is a fun, embarrassing is, story. The, we're going to tell this story and then we'll have to wrap it up. Yep, that's so, fair. Because we'll talk for days. We will. Um, we have so many stories. I feel like this is almost a two-hour episode, <laughs> which is totally fine. Well, we guys do a part one and part two. Um, we can just let it all do. We can. Um, so... When I was working season two of The Gifted, and one of our executive producers that season was Robert Duncan McNeil. Yes. Who I did not know at all, um, other than just, oh, he's the executive producer on our call sheet. Okie dokie. Nice guy. Yep. And um, I, at Dragon Con every year, I like walking around the Rock of Fame. uh, Unlike most people who are like, ooh, celebrities. I'm like, who's here that I've worked with? And I can say hi. Yep. Um, with the exception of Babylon 5 actors, I will always go oh, and yes. be a fan 
because Babylon 5 is one of my favorite series ever. And so I was going to talk to uh, talk to Walter Koenig, who most people know from Star Trek, but mm-hmm. I, I know him as Bester from Babylon 5. Um, so I went to go say hi, and since I was the only one at this table, we were just having a small chit-chat, like, oh, what do you do? I work in Atlanta and film, and what do you work on? And I told him The Gifted, and he's like, oh, there's somebody here that worked on that show. And I'm thinking, I just walked around, I didn't see anybody. And within that moment, I look over, I lock eyes with the guy sitting next to Walter. Hi, Brianna. Hi, boss. What are you doing here? And I look down at his table, and I see the plethora of Star Trek pictures. Wow. And yes, that um, my boss was Lieutenant Tom Paris of Voyager, who's in all seven seasons, pretty much every episode of Voyager. I did not live that down for the rest of the season on set. Yeah. And Derek came up to me and was like, Give me your geek card. You don't yeah, get it back well, until you watch Old Voyager. Because Gifted, Gifted was a nerd show run by nerds. It was. Matt Nix was a giant X-Men fan who basically was a, like, can I just, like, make an X-Men show? And to me, I thought he did a really great job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Derek, who was the producer that we really got to know, um, he he's produced things like um, Donner Superman. Legion. Legion. Um, obviously gifted and just this long list of just nerdy projects and just a wonderful human. Yeah. Everyone was just wonderful. Oh yeah. There was a lot of positive nerds on Mm -hmm. that set. Yes. Um, there was a lot of just camaraderie in general. Like I had a pitch for a show that I wanted to do that I was trying to put together and I actually went to Derek and I showed him, and I was just like, Hey, would you allow me to just pick your brain from like a, like someone who's trying to do this and you're someone who has successfully do it. And we're literally on a show right now that's in this beginning stage. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. He watched my thing. He, um, he gave me notes. He, he really like guided me and gave me some good, like, sound advice, and wasn't just like, yeah, just do the, yeah. Uh, or, or, or ignore you as most, most sets do with stand-ins. Mm-hmm. And I remember I said something about that, and Derek said, yeah, no, we don't do that on this set. Like, no, everyone was Everybody so was loving. treated equally. Like, so obviously, loving. you had your hierarchy of positions. Right, which But as to. a person, you would not be treated differently than no. the, the cast. No. It was incredible. So, alrighty, so we have been talking forever, I feel like, but, I mean, that's just what we do. Yeah, well, because um, we got practice on The Gifted, where we would be around each other for 15 hours a day and of course. talk so, for most of those. Yes. And so, if we can... <laughs> Don't worry, guys, we will not do that to you. So, but where can we find you on the internets? Let's see, I am on Facebook and Instagram as the Lady Nerd. And then there's my blog that is theladynerd.com. So that's where I am currently. So I start the business and then that'll spread to yes. other social media as well. Yes. So go check out the Lady Nerd. She's got some awesome like cosplay photos. She's cosplayed Ray. She's cosplayed Oh, you just did a really dope photo shoot last night. I did. I was up till I was out till three in the morning doing a Blade Runner shoot. Oh man. 
Like, you, you've done some really cool stuff. So go check it out. Go support her. Lady Nerd. At the Lady Nerd. All the stuff. And we're going to see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.